My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce our guest, retired Marine Corps veteran John Bittner and co-founder of Honor Guard Coffee. Welcome to the show. Man, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, you guys uh, piqued my interest a little bit. And, well, seeing you work with dogs, that's that's a good way to work in my heart. I got two canines at home, and I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, absolutely. The the dog aspect is my favorite part of the whole deal. It's man, they, they just they're they're always surprising me. And uh, as I develop and grow as a trainer, um, I learn so much about them. You know, on a weekly basis, it's they never cease to amaze me. They're truly special creatures for sure. Yeah, you should probably give me some hints because I have two full blooded German shepherds. One's a year old. Working breeds, and this is across the board, man, whether it's German Shepherds, Malinois, which, you know, a lot of people talk about them after uh, special operations kind of brought them into the, the public yep. stage. But Border Collies, Aussies, any working dog is going to be a handful, but they're they're a joy to work with for sure, man. Oh, they're big softies too. Yeah. They're the biggest alarm system ever, so you don't have to actually worry about electronic alarms. I love... I, I'm, a, I'm a big natural kind of guy. I like to do things the natural way. Um, yeah. And having an alarm system like a dog is you, you can't beat it. I had a I had a border collie actually. She would she had uh, she had dexterity in her ears, so she could move mm-hmm. her ears like sonar dishes. You move them. Oh yeah. I'm not kidding you, man. I seen this dog asleep, and I saw her ear like slowly scanning. I was like, no way, dude. That's so cool. She's even in her sleep. She was listening. She's uh she was she was a special one for sure. Oh yeah. I'm uh, sitting next to my German shepherd, Athena. She's a four year old. Yeah. She's laying down resting. Her front ears are just perked up and any sound will wake her up in that way. Hard to slip by him. No, they know about people being home before we do. You know, I actually, I heard a thing that a dog can register the sound of the, the, the engine specific to its owner from like half mile away. Now that's okay. So that, there's a lot of variants there. One being mm-hmm. um, background noise or, or ambient noise. It, New York City would probably be harder, but they can. They took two side by side year make and models and drove them yeah. down the road, and the dog picked up the specific engine to the owner. So uh, my 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 old lady actually would know when I was about thirty seconds from being home because my border collie would go to the door. She would hear my specific Toyota engine coming down the road, which is hard to believe, but it's that's pretty incredible yeah i know my wife knows that i'm home in the driveway before the app tracking app we have you know family tracking app home Uh, the dogs are barking before i pull in the driveway so it's awesome they also help when my brother comes over (laughs) yeah who's that (laughs) so what gave you the idea to start up the coffee company. I know we were talking about things that we we're going to discuss it before the podcast, but I wanted to get into that. What made you want to start up the coffee company? Yeah, man. So, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps July of 2006, not 16, July, July 16th, 2021. And, uh, one of the biggest things I did eight years, four months and 16 days. I loved every, every second of it. And, uh, I got out, but one of the things that I'd felt like I'd always been missing personally was a dog. And so I got out, I had to do a couple things. I went to a school um, and then I moved out to California to start work. I was doing some private security. And yeah. one thing I, I didn't fully anticipate was, was going to be the loneliness. Uh, you know, you live in a building with all of your best friends in the world, you know, guys that you're going to the field with and suffering with, you're on this exact same work schedule. So you, you always had somebody around. And so when I got out uh, and you find yourself sitting in an apartment alone, you're like, well, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, this is lonely and kind of weird. And you're trying to adjust and figure out how to do this whole thing. And life kind of hits you all at once. And so 
I got this border collie and uh, I named her Sunny Girl. She was my little ray of sunshine. And uh, and that's exactly what she was, man. She was just the, the, the biggest blessing that I could have asked for. So talking to my now business partner, Steven, he, me and him, him and I met back in 20, 2017 at a infantry small unit leaders course on Camp Pendleton, California. Um, he was a combat instructor. I was a rifle squad leader in uh, 2-4. And I was awaiting orders, which I ended up getting orders to 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines out in 29 Palms, California. So I executed orders and did a couple more deployments with those boys. But that's for another time. Right. So we we wanted – so I got Sonny, and he was living in Southern California. I said, Stephen, dude, I just got a puppy, man. Come check it out. So he came over, and he was like, dude, you got a dog. You know, that's a big responsibility. And I said, yeah. And 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 – you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, wor- it's a, uh, it's worth whatever sacrifice I'm going to have to make. Uh, this is what I want. I want, I want a partner in life that I can kind of cruise around with and do my thing. So he went and bought one of Sonny's sisters and that's now his service dog, Venus. Nice. And as we grew into training our dogs, we found that it was, it was a good, it was a good, healthy, positive way to spend our time, which is training and dialing in our dogs and getting them to the point where, you know, we're, we're crushing training nightly and we're, we're filling time. We're doing something positive. We're building this connection with our dogs. So Steven was like, let's start a company and get service dogs in the hands of veterans. Now we, we also understand that not everyone can train their own dog. There is the barrier to entry, knowledge, time, um, the, the location that you're in does play a factor. And so we, uh, we wanted to get, uh, veteran service dogs cause we saw the benefit in our lives that we gained from it. So honestly, man, we would have sold painted rocks if that's what would have made enough money to buy these dogs. We're not in love with the idea of coffee. Um, mm-hmm. and if coffee didn't work out, we'd sell vacuum cleaners, uh, t-shirts. It, it, the, the product was relevant. But the American dream is you and your friend can work hard and you can you can have a fair exchange of money for a product and then take yeah. that money and do something positive with it. Because we could have went nonprofit, but we're we're trying to scale and build something that's just a little bit bigger than getting service dogs, training them and delivering them to a veteran. We want to uh, I won't get too much into it because some of these things are proprietary. Um, yeah. but we're, we're going to roll out something that's just a little bit bigger than that. And, and to do that, I, the model that we chose was the best, um, uh, for that. So that's kind of how we started. Coffee was just, it was a difficult market. It was, you know, as we talked oversaturated and mm-hmm. there's a lot of big names out there, but all the better, man, if we can survive, if we can succeed in that market, then sky's the limit, man. And every, anywhere we go from here is going to be easy. Yeah. So what's the average time you have to be in that market for it to be considered successful? Um, I'm sure there's a definition out there, but mine is just one dog to one veteran and one, one life saved, man. So if I can make a positive impact on one guy, it was a success. If, uh, you know, if we, if we're doing a hundred dogs a month, partnering with multiple agencies that are delivering dogs and we're training and we're, we're maintaining vet bills and, and food for these dogs and follow on training and, and help for these guys and in other bigger ways then great. But if I can, if I can make one guy's life a little bit better, man, that's a success. And, and I truly mean that, man, I can close mm-hmm. up shop tomorrow if I got one dog out the door and, and help one guy. Yeah. But then you want to help more people. And so that just leads on to keep the business open and keep pumping it out so we can help other people, which is nice. It's a different model than the nonprofit run, which, and I'm not knocking the nonprofits because it's very great, especially smaller nonprofits, in my opinion. The larger, larger ones usually have more of the fun issues, but this is definitely something that you wouldn't ex- think about, you know, like coffee, helping in that way yeah and i mean coffee's it was a good it's a good starting i don't have to sell you on the idea of coffee right i have to sell you on the idea of my coffee and and what the differentiation is 
you know, yeah, we're a specialty grade coffee company. We're roasted to order. We're, there's all these like little things that set our coffee apart. That's irrelevant to me. I don't, I don't care about any of that. That's not what I'm looking at. Um, we, we just, we want to help people. We want to help end human suffering, which is really what it boils down to. And, and veterans is, it happens to be the demographic that, you know, I, I can speak to, I speak their language and it's a group that I understand what they're going through. Do there's a hundred different, you know, categories that you could, could look into. I mean, there are not categories, but you know what I mean? There's causes, a uh, hundred, mm-hmm. hundred different causes that, that are all worthy of effort and time and money and, and, uh, the whole thing. But we chose veterans cause well, we are veterans and mm-hmm. we understand their struggle just a little bit better than I would say, um, other disaffected groups out there. It's just, it's just our, our people, our tribe, you know? Yeah. Now, I know we talked a little bit before the podcast and I know we've messed back and forth, but you do a little bit of guiding and hunts now. Yeah. Yeah. So I live in Northern Wyoming, uh, Northwest Wyoming. Uh, and so I, man, I've all, I, I grew up in the Sierra Nevada mountain ranges mm. up by Kennedy Meadows. And, uh, yeah. I spent a lot of time out there and I've always loved being out there. And I did a couple mountain warfare packages, moved to Wyoming and, I've been horseshoeing. I'm a full-time horseshoer and carpenter out here nice. as well as getting my company started, uh, which I'm looking at transitioning to running Honor Guard full-time here. But there's a couple more That's things cool. that I, I personally want to accomplish at this point with yeah. horseshoeing and uh, with carpentry that it's more of a personal thing at this point for me. So yeah, I was horseshoeing and the guy that I horseshoe for or with um, that I was apprenticing under, he... Uh, He's a, he's a guide. So we went up and did a, uh, guided a, a couple of hunters on a mountain goat hunt. And it was, it was a lot of fun. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm jealous of the mountain goat hunt. That's yeah, the dream we, hunt. Yeah. We pack in on horseback and, um, man, it was fun. I was, I was mostly camp jacking, uh, which yeah. is it's a camp jack. You know, you set up the tent, cook the food, uh, maintain the, the wellness of the horses, lead them to water in the evenings. Although yeah. I was pretty blessed, the the hunters that we took up were were into the experience of it all. They showed up early to saddle horses. You know, you pre-fit everything before you go on something like that. And so every pack saddle gets pre-fit with your britching and your <coughs> your um your your uh, breast collar. So everything yeah. gets pre-sized, pre-fitted, especially riding saddles. And then they showed up. They were so eager to do that kind of stuff and and unsaddle the horses, lead them to water. They had a bunch of fun doing the the full spectrum of it all. So it made my job super fucking easy. Right. So <coughs> you started uh, the coffee company and it's been fairly pre- uh, profitable since then. You don't need to get into details on the prof on how much, obviously. So when do you think that you're going to be able to take on the role for full time? <laughs> Man, I could theoretically I can start now, um, but there's there's phases that we're working through that you know they require maybe more or less involvement, uh, mm-hmm. especially with the way me and my partner have structured the company and our roles and responsibility. Although we're we're always continuously being updated on each other's position and what we're working yeah. on. We do have, fortunately for us, we have the ability to split that workload. Um, so there's a couple of things that I, I personally want to accomplish. Um, and then I'm going to lean fully into the mission because I think, I think our mission's too important to uh, put on a yeah. back burner. I agree. I mean, I like it. It's helping <laughs> veterans and getting them dogs, which, as we've talked earlier, dogs are very special in every person's heart pretty much i mean and they've already showcased that animals help people out they're therapeutic and they can help somebody out especially when they're properly trained mm-hmm. yeah properly trained is the key word uh dogs it, it's it's very difficult for a an untrained dog i guess is, is the way i'll put it for now but um to, to live a fulfilled, meaningful life, you know, dogs, they, they want to please you and they don't speak English. You can't explain to them any other way than just the proper training techniques that have been laid out by professional dog behavioralists. And mm-hmm. so 
they want to please you, you need to show them correctly and have an an open form of communication that the dog understands as well as you understand your dog's behavior. And outside of that, you'll never have a dog with fulfilled life. My dog goes everywhere. He's only five months old, but he's crushing his training. Um, He goes everywhere, gets to experience and sniff and do things that, you know, dogs that are you know, probably lacking in some, some structure and some training. They don't get to ever live that lifestyle because, well, if you're not behaving in a way that everyone is accepting of, well, you don't get to go participate and humans have the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's people locked up right now in prisons because they didn't behave. That's in a way that's acceptable, uh, accepted. And so yeah. they don't get to lead fulfilled lives because well, their actions. So same, yeah. essentially it's the same thing with dogs. Yeah, in I know. It's, it's a stretch to make that connection, but it's similar. Yeah, I know. With uh, prisons, some of the people in there, they'll actually, if they get out, they'll actually commit a crime to go back in because they're so used to that way of life. And I know we just burned off topic real fast with that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I would love to see some some prison reform. We won't get into it, but man, my heart goes out to the the guys that are locked up. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're humans and, uh, there, there's some really good people in, in all corners uh, mm-hmm. of the earth. So there's, there's good guys in prison, man. And, uh, they, they deserve a chance and they deserve the, the love that I think we all should have for each other as human beings. And, and, uh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll leave that one there. Right. So how many service dogs have you hooked up with uh, veterans so far? Um, currently none. There's a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily assume that uh, would be an issue. Like, you know, if you have zero, um, if you have zero understanding of how a service animal works, you know, it's uh, we're we're not exactly delivering a vacuum here where you mm-hmm. just flip a switch, the thing works. If it breaks, you call us and send it back, and we fix it. Yep. It's a living, breathing animal that yep. that has, you know, thoughts and 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 motivators that you you should probably understand to be to, to get the full experience of having a service animal to get the full benefit you yep. really would want uh, a crash course on dog behavior how to employ your dog properly how to correct it properly how to maintain its training like anything you know if you train a dog fully and then never do any any uh, sustainment training your dog it'll revert back to whatever is accepted. So, um, there's a couple things that we're trying to build. We have, uh, potentially three dogs that are ready for a home. We just need to find the right veteran, match them up, um, and figure out the logistics of getting the dog there and then some follow on care that we've been providing. So hopefully within the next year, we're going to be rolling out quite a few dogs. We've pretty much set most of that infrastructure up. We just need to to start That's rolling good. out and we have all the partnerships are in place. Everything's ready. We're just, this year will be the year. Nice. That's great. And all the training, is that covered through the cough, uh, through the business or is that, uh, subsidized or anything like that? Yeah, man, we do 25% of our profit, which is fairly steep, but, uh, it's a passion project and, and, uh, it's, it's worthy uh, of that. And, you know, a lot of companies do 10% and that's great, man. 10% is, is awesome. We wanted to double that, um, plus yeah. five, you know, we, just, we wanted to go, we're, we're serious about this mission to the point where we'll, we'll make substantially less money if that means we can get this mission fulfilled. And it's, it's the biggest thing going on in my life personally. So right. we're all in, man. So you've been in the business for, and I think we talked about this earlier, 18 months so far. About, yeah. And do you see the company growing at an exponential rate or is it just a lot slower? Or Oh, man, it's, it's, there's periods of growth where it's like, wow, this is, you know, this is massive. And then there's slow times. Um, yeah. You know, the economy has something to do with it. The the current state of the, there's so there's so many factors. So we're growing a lot. Uh, I think we're on pace to to out we're on track to outpace where we originally thought that we would probably be at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing really well. There's just there's a lot of complexity in 
in this world, this business world that that we're kind of slowly realizing. And mm-hmm. so it's it's holding us back, but it's also elevating us. And every time we solve a problem, we just get that much better at solving problems. So I foresee pretty pretty exciting things coming up this year specifically, which uh, my partner is is projecting, you know, years down the road with which is difficult, right? Because as you project outward, you know, say there's an error of probability for a week of operating this company. Well, every week that you go out, that margin of error, those those errors accumulate and the probability of errors, they they grow. And so it's hard to project what five years down the road looks like for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been partnerships that have popped up and it's like, wow, this is... J- you know, sent straight from God. And this, this is just an, an insane opportunity. And we're, we're just one of those away from, from blowing up to a level where we're, we're opening facilities and, you know, really doing some, some good. So we're excited, but we're, we're on track, man. We're, we're doing pretty good. Nice. Now is getting on the coffee side of things. Do you, are you going to offer, do you offer nationwide or just locally for right now? We're nationwide. Nice. So pretty much just go on the website, order your coffee, put in the address, and send it. Yes, sir. Nice. Now, what type of coffees do you offer? So that's going to change. Right now, we have, I believe, six products. I know we'll have uh, decaf is live. We'll have tea coming soon. Uh, we're going to get into some cold brew. We have some other partnerships that we're working on to bring some different kinds of products we'll be doing. And uh, my partner's going to hate me for this, but we're going to be doing some apparel that's not, it's not just a screen printed t-shirt. This is going to be some cool stuff. And uh, Nice. So we're going to be rolling that out. So product wise right now, uh, we, we have our six, our six blends. Um, head to the website, check them out. We'll have different kinds of grinds for the way that you prepare your coffee. Um, man, I didn't know any of this. I drank instant Folgers for like 26 years. I was just okay <laughs> with it. It was like, Oh, it's good enough. It, it tastes like coffee. And, and, uh, but you know, like coarse ground is a lot better and you'll get a better result if you use a French press and fine mm-hmm. ground is better for drip. And you know, there's different ways to, to make coffee and you kind of have to match however serious you are about this is, you know, you I can can't, take this. You can take coffee to the freaking moon. I can't do the espresso thing. That the making that small cup of coffee with no. so much yeah. ground and pressing it down to the puck. I'm like, that is way more work than I want to do. I got a burr grinder at home, which been buying coffee. That it's weird going to the store. They don't have whole bean coffee, so mm-hmm. I can't. So I have to get the ground stuff, but normally I get the burr grinder, freshly ground coffee, put it in the pour over and do the whole kettle over the water thing because, well, it's easier to measure out how much you want for your coffee that way. Yep. And it just tastes so much better than the freaking, you know, already ground coffee. Yeah. Folgers Instant was, to me good coffee and then i got our whole bean and i ground it myself and and i did the whole process just to you know i'd like to know from a consumer standpoint exactly what you're buying where your money's going i wanted to understand the coffee a little bit better being a owner of a coffee company and there's a difference uh specialty grade coffee is it's 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 worth it for sure if it wasn't ours, I'd be buying specialty coffee from somewhere else. It's hard right. to go back to instant Folgers. Yeah. So do you use the drip style coffee, you know, coffee maker, or do you actually do like a pour over style? Uh, my, uh, I use drip most mornings uh, because I drink a cup as soon as I get up and I, I yeah. start my day and then I, I take a big thermos of it to work. So for me, the ease of that, but I, my, my old lady, she does espresso pour over french press <laughs> she's she's the connoisseur of the the coffee household yeah and she's like thank you for starting a coffee company so i don't have to buy coffee anymore yeah she's she's winning right now she's doing pretty good oh my wife would be jealous she goes for the starbucks stuff which some of their blends are all right but mainly yep 
Yeah. I, I tend to avoid Starbucks. That's expensive, expensive. Very. Very. So, and I know we discussed this one before the podcast, uh, but I wanted to get my, my listeners in on this one. How do you stack up against the other coffee companies in such a saturated market? Yeah, that's a great question, man. And it's one that, you know, a lot of people that would have no idea what the term market saturation or oversaturation even means will tell me, well, it's an oversaturated market. I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to hear your analysis of the of the coffee industry, you know, it's, uh, and it is oversaturated. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it honestly me and Steven joke about this all the time. Guys get out of the military and they want to go into business because believe it or not, a lot of the skills that you learn, um, are transferable, you know? And so mm-hmm. entrepreneurial life agrees with, with guys from the military, but it seems like your starter kit is t-shirt company or coffee company. Everyone does it. It's, it's so standard to see veterans owning a, a t-shirt or coffee company. We chose this market because of that. It's difficult. Uh, you really, if you're going to be, you know, we do our own uh, marketing. We, um, we love learning every a- facet of the business. And that's kind of something that we find uh, enjoyable. You know, we, we love learning and, and problem solving. So yeah, we chose this market on purpose. If we can make it here, if we can market ourselves and brand ourselves and do everything that we've been doing, that we've been doing successfully in this market, then man, we can do it anywhere. And this is one of those things that's kind of the beginning. There's going to be a lot of things that we roll out in the years to come that kind of support this overall mission. Yeah. And so we, we see the world in, uh, in abundance, you know, I'm not fighting black rifle. I'm not going for black rifles, target audience. I don't want to have guys from black rifle switching over. Yeah. Trident coffee down in Southern California is doing amazing things. I, when I'm in Southern California, I stop by, I own, I'm theoretically a competitor. Dude, I'll stop by, get their cold brew is unreal. I mean, you can't, you can't top that. So Trident down there in San Diego, shout out to them. They're, they're, they're just a great company, man. I, I can really stand behind them. So I see the world in abundance. I'm not, there's plenty to go around. Um, mm-hmm. And so where we stack up, man, we're in our, I would like to think that we're somewhat in our own lane. Um, just with the way our mission and, and our, the, the company structure I'm not saying that I'm better or different or I am saying I'm different. I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than I'm just different. And so our mission is what sets us apart from, from the other companies for sure. Yeah. Now what gave you the idea of wanting to switch into tea market? Well, you know, the coffee that we have is, is extremely good. It's, yeah. it's some of the best that we could have found. We, we wanted to do very, like very high quality, products and, and that'll be the same for our you know i want to get too far into these things but what whatever we roll out from here on out you can uh, you can be assured that it's the highest quality that we were able to find nice. um and so you know we we kind of started with coffee and quickly realized like well maybe there's other products that are worth selling and so coffee will always be our focal point because that's where we started and and yeah. we love taking, I mean, you know, I drink coffee pretty much all day, every day. Um, and so does my partner and, and, oh, it's nice to own a coffee company when you're an avid coffee drinker, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're just going to expand a little bit here and there, whatever works. We're not yeah. traditional in the sense that we feel tied to any one thing. Um, I can stop selling coffee tomorrow and I can sell you empty Red Bull cans if that's what gets the job done and our, and we make, make enough to, to buy service dogs for veterans. That's the coffee's relevant. I'll sell you painted rocks. I'll sell you tea. I'll sell you desks. I'll whatever, whatever I can to, to fulfill. I'll the take mission. the coffee. I'll take the coffee, right? <laughs> I accept. <laughs> I'm not primarily a tea person or cold brew. I yeah. don't know why, but cold brew just tastes so much ugh, in my mouth, but hot yeah. coffee. Yeah. Give me that all day. Yeah, I'm not a, a tea drinker. Um, I obviously I've, I've tried our own product. It's good. It's um, it's really good. So when whenever that um, so gets rolled out, I think people are going to be pretty happy with that product for sure. Yeah, I caught the. I think it was the tail end of uh, 
the live your business partner started up today and i was like can't wait to talk to you you're gonna be talking to him great yeah, <laughs> yeah so i got we, to yeah i got to meet both of you in one day right on yeah steven's a, he's a great guy man he's been uh incredible to work with we we'd work together in a, in a tactical environment you know we were in mm -hmm. uh, adjacent squads during that course and and we got to run our evaluations which is kind of the culminating apex event for a course like that which is your yeah. your field leadership evaluation and getting to work side by side with him in a, a tactical environment like that was was awesome then and it's been awesome now that we've kind of changed arenas and we've become something a little more than just you know, gunfighters. Right. Now, as co-founders, do you have about the same responsibilities or do each of them, each of you take on different aspects that are more suited to your strong points? We, I think originally started with that model, which is like, well, what are you good at? Well, I'm good at this. And so I'll, I'll handle this. And, and we kind of did that. <laughs> what we found is, man, the only way to grow is to be uncomfortable. I'm horrible mm -hmm. with technology and I have started to lead certain things that are technologically driven. Although he might know I'm like the back of his hand, it just creates a well-rounded, adaptable individual that's capable of, of getting dropped into any situation and succeeding. Yeah. And so um, I'm more of a speaker. I'm, I'm pretty good at, at uh, holding conversations. My dog is trying to get to me. He's, uh, he's knocking on the door here. Um, yeah. and so, you know, we, we've kind of started to, to split the workload in a way that like it, it grows us as, as individuals. Cause I'm, you know, we, we both put in as much as we can, as, as much as we can offer the, the company and each other. And so some days, you know, he might do more than me and, um, in certain aspects and in other days I'm, I'm the one leading the, the fight and the charge. So we have a really good working dynamic that way, and that's that's been working for us. That's great. Being able to take on a task one day, let your buddy take on it the next day, then vice versa. Hey, can you handle this? That way, you know, like you said, you're well-rounded. You don't have to worry about, oh, crap, I'm in a scenario where I'm not prepared, and instead it's, yeah, sure, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there's days where – man, you're just so down or tired or frustrated with something. And there's, it's nice to be able to pick up the phone and call your partner and say, dude, I need you to take over this. Here's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, I've about had it today or life gets in the way, man. There's emergencies, there's mm -hmm. family problems, there's injuries, there's sickness. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of things that like, for example, man, I was, uh, I was kind of out of the fight for a while. Back in October, I had my service dog, Sonny, uh, spayed. Yeah. And man, I, I'll be damned if she didn't die the next morning. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. As a yeah, dog lover, happens. as a dog lover, and my dog, he was, I had a dachshund rat terrier mix, and he was 12 years old, and he died of cancer. And his, we had to put him down because he had cancer inside of his skull. But. Death of a dog is, yeah, I don't like it. I wish they could live forever. Yeah. Yeah, my sweet Sonny was two years old. Uh, oh, my goodness. Decided to get her spayed. And, you know, but that that's okay. I had two mm -hmm. wonderful years with her. She taught me more than, oh, man, it's, it's, you can't really put into words what that dog taught me and gave me yeah. uh, through the process of training her and building that connection and rapport and, I learned a lot about training dogs with her. Um, I will always wanted to do right by her. That dog lived a very, very full life. She lived in three states. Uh, she ate in and out. She bit a cow once. She got into a car accident. <laughs> she she swam in two oceans, more lakes and rivers than I could count. Wow. She's been up in uh, probably four or five different mountain ranges. She's she lived a very full life and an exciting one. And um, it was kind of fitting, just how how it all played out and. Uh, and so as sad as I was, man, as much as I would like to have that dog back. And I think mm -hmm. there was a lot of, of, of life left unlived with her, especially being two years old. She was so young. Yeah. Um, but man, I wouldn't, I, it, 
I just accepted it and moved on. But for about a week, I, I took about a week off, a uh, yeah. week to two weeks off. And Steven covered everything. He handled all my meetings and uh, he was, he was incredibly supportive and helpful. So, yeah. Uh, and then that time it was just, you know, I'd, I'd sit out and do the things that I used to do with Sonny because we did everything together. Um, and I just kind of thought about it all and, and understood exactly how important she was. And, and that's when I realized that it about a week into just, you know, just taking some time off, man, I still went to work. I was still shooting horses at the time or, uh, no, I'm sorry. I was building a, I was building a house at the time. Hmm. Um, you know, I was, I was still building every day, but I would just, put my headphones in and just kind of think and reflect back on what that two years really just meant. going, then, just going through the motions uh, at work pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, handle business and thought a lot. And in about a weekend I realized like, well, it's time to get back in the fight because people are depending on me. And uh, right. if I can give someone else what I had with Sonny for two years, then man, it's worth every, every second of, of fighting for. So right. I got back in there. Yeah. And you said you have a new dog. What uh, breed and how old? I now you've already said how old. He's five months, but yeah. Uh, what yeah. breed? He's uh he's half border collie, half Aussie, and I got him actually like, and it was like two weeks after Sonny had. I'll just call it how it is, man. Sonny died, and yeah. uh, my girlfriend went to a banquet dinner to support the Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation, I believe, and yeah. uh, little Woodrow F. Call, which is what I named him. He, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was up for, for auction there to raise money for this foundation. And so nice. this lady's bidding on him and McKenna knows my girlfriend. She knows that I, I like to pick my dogs. I like to watch the dogs interact with other dogs. I like to watch the dogs interact with humans. I like to see what they do when someone walks into their environment, how long it yep. takes them to calm down. There's a lot of things that I like looking for in a dog. And so this one-off puppy at this foundation um with no way to see it interacting or i I couldn't see the environment it was raised in which is big um and you know there's a critical development period in a dog from about six to eight weeks where they really learn how to interact with other dogs being in the litter so it's an old working dog thing um it's kind of an older method but they used to pull puppies out at six weeks and live with the handler so that they really bond and that's a working dog theory but there's something about those two weeks that is incredibly vital to dogs being able to interact with other dogs and have good social manners. So, um, I I couldn't see any of that. And so I I went down there and they called me and said, Hey, this lady won this dog bidding on it, just trying to raise the price for the the foundation. Well, she ended up winning and she's like, well, I I can't take this dog. So I go down there. I I meet Woodrow. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. I seen him. I said, dude, um, I'm just going to get him and, and I'll, I'll make it work. And he's been incredible. He's, he's incredibly smart. He's loyal. He's crushing his training. We're, we're always out and about. He goes to nice. work with me every single day. Uh, no complaints from my boss, um, on the crew, the foreman loves having him. He's respectful. He's, he's a great, great dog. I, I couldn't be, I could not be happier with him. Nice. Uh, I'm glad you get, you were able to find somebody. Uh, it's not somebody. Some, well, somebody the dog <laughs> that was able Thank to you. just just basically be. And I'm going to use the equivalent of love at first sight. Yeah, yeah, pretty I see much. Him. Right on, man. He was a cool little dude. He was. It's like that's my dog, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. Yeah. So and he was pretty severely discounted too from the, yeah. the the breeder you know it's the situation i got him in was just perfect man it, it worked nice. out really well now i know uh, when i we were talking about looking you guys up online and i know you uh liked one of my uh posts recently but then i i think i actually got through you through idaho backcountry veterans yeah yeah i was talking with them recently and so I saw you guys and yeah, let's talk to them. So, and I saw that you guys actually have done some work with them. So what do you, type of work do you guys do with them? Uh, so we, we had come to the conclusion very early on in starting this company that we were 
primarily purchasing service dogs for veterans through a for-profit model, which would allow us to expand into other areas and kind of grow and ebb and flow. Yeah. So that's how we initially did it. But the idea is that we, I mean, we just want to help other veteran companies. We want to help every, I mean, there's no point in stepping on, on next to get ahead in this world. So pretty much yeah. anywhere that we like what guys are doing and Kev, Kevin down there at uh, Idaho Backcountry Veterans is doing something really, really cool, man. If people, you know, if you're, if your audience hasn't heard of him, man, he's, he's just, he's taking guys out and doing something that there, you know, I think where I'm from and how I was raised going into the back country was, that was just what we were doing like Saturday. So yeah, we're yeah. just going to go well out into the mountains. We're going to walk in, we're going to go hunt, fish, do whatever. I mean, shoot guns. We're, we're just going to live this lifestyle. And now that I'm out here in Northern Wyoming, we're doing the same thing, man. I, getting on horseback and riding into the back country and, and doing our thing. So for him to, to, to be able to bring people together like that is just super cool. So we're, we're going to support him in any way that we can. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to attend a few events this year. I'm hoping to get some coffee and bring it out there to him and uh, kind of build that relationship just because I think what he's doing is awesome and it's yeah. difficult and it's worth doing. So right on to him and, and his crew out there. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Now, do you normally do things with, uh, disabled individuals at all or, you know, like disabled veterans, would you be getting dogs for them? Yeah, that's, um, there's, there's a wide array of what you can train a dog to do, um, mm -hmm. from reminding you to, to take medication, to smelling low blood sugar for, uh, seizure, uh, man, they're psychiatric. That'll do dog. That'll do. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do with dogs. Um, and, and we're going to explore everything. We're going to try and get as big as we can to, to cover as many bases as we can, but yeah. physically disabled psychiatric issues. They're, they're all, I think worthy of addressing. So I don't know mm -hmm. if we'll specifically favor one over the other. Um, but general mobility for a physically disabled person is pretty huge to be able to get yeah. back in there and explore life again with the aid of a dog. So we'll, we'll be doing a lot of that too. Yeah. Now for the type of dog, would you just be limited to normal service dogs or would you actually try and get into hunting dogs too? Um, I man, that, that is, a complex question. We, I would like to do <laughs> both, uh, if right. I could. Now, now a typical service dog breed <laughs> is kind of a an inaccurate statement because mm -hmm. there's there's uh, there's plenty of breeds that are capable of of carrying out the the job of being a service dog. Yeah, it's. It's there's some that have traits naturally that, that they exhibit that make them, you know, maybe a little better suited or they're, they're they have a proclivity to doing certain traits or behaviors that, that you would want in a service dog. Yeah. So there's the classics, you know, um, but man, there's all kinds of breeds that, you know, if you can like right now, there's a, you know, like the border collie is, is my, my, my last dog, Sunny. She, uh, yeah. She could work cattle, but she could also, you know, work with me and, and do what I needed her to do. So she's not a typical service dog breed, although you can find Border Collies working in pretty much any environment. Uh, yep. They're smart. They're driven. So we'll explore uh, a tailor-made solution to each veteran is what I would I would probably say. So if somebody wanted a black lab to be able to do service dog uh credentials and also be able to do waterfowl and pheasant you'd be trying to facilitate that one if i could find a, a trainer that's <laughs> capable of that um i can do that, some very what's up man oh that would be very and i'm just going from a price standpoint for training be able to pull off not only service duties but also water uh hunting duties that would be a very expensive package. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, man, we just, we, 
we're going to get in there and, and get with specific veterans and find trainers that are willing to take on the task, find the right dog and make the right connection. So if it's, if it's even doable, I've never looked into that. I've, I've never, Neither have I. never dwell, delved into the, uh, hunting side of training dogs. Yeah. I've done a little bit of stock work with Sonny. She was, she could, she'd bite some cows. She'd get in there and, yeah. and, uh, stir things up. So she was, she was like, I had two calves that would get out every morning. Dude, I'd cruise down my driveway with my cup of coffee and my Crocs, Sonny right next to me, and I'd uh, give Sonny the old command to get those cows back in where they should be, and she'd fire out there and put them away, and we'd rock, walk right back down to the house, and I'd enjoy the rest of my morning. So, And she was service dog, but she'd, she'd work some cattle, so I'm sure it's doable. I just, yeah. um, I'm not there in, in, in my training yet to produce yeah. something like a hunting dog. So... I know we're jumping around again, but I want to see uh, how many employees does your company employ right now? Right now, it's just Steven and I. Oh, so you guys do all the hand brewing by yourself. You look, well, at least it cuts down on costs for uh, employees. Yeah. <laughs> so any future plans of employing other people to start taking over those tasks as you grow? Oh, 100%, man. Um we, you know, right now we're small enough to handle the volume that we're, we're doing. We're, we're small enough to figure out a lot of the problems that we're having. And, and I work to identify those. And, you know, as we scale upwards and, and kind of grow the company, we're, we will intimately know each, each role and responsibility within the company. So when we have employees and when we get to that point, although we're going to hire people that are capable of making independent decisions and we're okay with making mistakes, that's not an issue. We're making mistakes right now. How can I hire someone and expect them not to? It's that's right. silly. So, <laughs> um, but in the event that they are, you know, not required, but ask for guidance in a certain realm where we're very well versed. So, we're kind of taking it slow. There was some decisions that we rushed in the beginning and it came around to bite us. So we're just taking it slow. We're enjoying the process. We're enjoying where we are as a company. It's it's super fun to, to kind of scale up and grow, but we're not, you know, just all out pushing to get to this end state because we don't even know what, where, what end state looks like at this point. I mean, right. taking it to the freaking moon if we can, you know? Yeah. What position do you think you would hire for the first off? You know, it's just like speculative. Social media manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. terrible, man. I'm so bad with it, but you know, it's, I gotta be good. So yeah, well, at least you know exactly which one like, okay, we can finally afford to you're hired. Have a nice day. Yeah. This is all I want you to do. Have a nice day. That's it, man. Go back to brewing coffee. It's terrible. Right. Terrible having to keep up with that. So, yeah. So, where do you see yourself in five, your company in five years? Rolling out dogs as, uh, as much as possible. I mean, the scope of, of influence that we can have is, is really limited by the traction of the company. So, mm. you know, with, we have it all marked out, you know, with a certain amount of sub subscribers, we can do X amount. And so getting dogs to veterans is the priority, but maintaining yeah. things like vet bills for, for things that happen in life, you know, um, yeah. we want to be able to start kind of widening our scope, maybe for someone that's in a different financial position, helping with food and training these guys and there's all these kinds of programs and outreach um yeah that we want to be able to do so as we grow that we can start getting more creative and, and getting a little more helpful and involved uh, but it, it just comes with brand awareness exposure getting guys to, to sign up for the subscription which is you know that that recurring revenue that we can look at and more or less count on obviously you know people are are welcome to cancel subscriptions at any time I don't yep. really want to walk trip anyone into to staying on with us. If you support our mission, then then ride on and and um, you know we look forward to to working with them and sharing our progress with them and and making them really feel like a part of the team. Man, it's a you know it takes a tribe, it takes a village, and so 
Steven and I are realistically two guys with a good idea and um, we're coming from a good place, but it's going to take, it's going to take the tribe to make this happen. And so we're not, we're founders, but I mean, we're, you you could just jump in with us and, and really get it as involved as you want to be. You can message us on social media at any time of day or night, and I'll do my best to respond uh, unless I'm up in the mountains. Um, I'm there to interact with, with the peoples. So yeah, yeah, man, this is pretty much, (laughs) much it, man. Right. So how much does a subscription cost? I know we've covered just about everything, but the subscription cost now. Um, we recently, uh, had to, to adjust some prices. There's a lot of things that, um, inflation that have been changing as as we've kind of developed to, to where we're at now. But, uh, Right now, you're looking at 1980 for every week, and, and it goes up to 22 if you're doing a monthly. So pretty much, if you want just a monthly coffee club order, it's $22, which not bad, actually. I mean, seeing how some of the other coffee clubs we charge you, what, 30 50 bucks. Yeah, I mean, ballpark and somewhere yeah. in there. So, our, yeah. Our- our products are all going to vary on, uh, on the, um, on the price, depending on which, which blend it is. And that that's for a number of reasons. There's obviously, you know, weather availability of the batch of coffee in the location region, the farm it came from. There's, there's variables in there, which is why prices are adjusted. Now, where do you guys normally source your coffee from? Uh, Anywhere that would meet the standard. So we have some partners that we're going to be working with that are, are pulling from uh, a unique situation out of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. South America is pretty good. I mean, obviously, coffee grows in uh, more or less a hyper-specific environment. Y- you know, you're not you're not yeah. seeing a lot of coffee production out of uh, uh, certain regions of the world. So wherever yeah. that coffee grows, we we look for the right right batch, and that's that's what we'll end up going with. Hey, if that works out and makes it for you guys to have the highest quality cup for your, your customers, so be it. Yes, sir. Fair exchange of goods for money and we'll handle the rest. True capitalism. That's right. <laughs> so do you want to tell our my guests about any social media or how to and how to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, man. So, uh, honor guard coffee on Instagram, you, you can find us there. You can head to the website on coffee.com. So, um, as of right now, I think we're, we're, we are on Facebook. We don't have an X account or Twitter. Um, I do like Elon Musk though. That guy's pretty cool. He just, he's doing his thing. I, I, I can mm-hmm. respect that. So I don't think we have that. I'm not too big into social media, but, but you can, you can get in contact with us a number of ways, but the Instagram is, is our primary uh, means. We do have a Facebook as well. You can look us up there. All right. Well, uh, thank you, John, for coming on and being a guest on the show. It's been fun to learn about the world of coffee and how competitive it is, how saturated, and also how you guys are turning that profit into helping other veterans with dogs. I think it's a great and honorable thing to do and as a dog lover i support it 100 so thank you agreeing to come on man and remember everybody stay adaptive